Hello, family, and welcome to Kingwood Methodist. In John 4:23, Jesus states that a time is coming and has now come when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth, for they are the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. As we gather at church and open God's Word, we are not just coming together for the sake of gathering, but also to learn the truth of God and how we can grow to love God with our whole heart, mind, soul, and strength. As we continually surrender our lives to the Word of God by the power of the Holy Spirit, we become the type of worshipers our Heavenly Father seeks. Let's dive in together. series that we have been in about reflections and the way our heart reflects when we have an encounter with God and the many different ways those encounters happen. The scripture that's been driving that and been behind that is Proverbs twenty-seven nineteen: As water reflects the face, so one's life reflects the heart. And so as we continue in this series, that's what we're looking at is examples of people whose hearts reflected their encounter with God. And this week, we're going to be in Luke 15, 1 through 10, looking at the parable, the two parables of the tax collectors, um, excuse me, of the, um, the lost sheep and the lost coin. So, if you will stand for me as we read the Word of God. Now, the tax collectors and sinners were all drawing near to him, and the Pharisees and the scribes grumbled, saying, this man receives sinners and eats with them. So he told them a parable. What man of you, having a hundred sheep, if he has lost one of them, does not leave the ninety-nine in the open country and go after the one that is lost until he finds it? And when he has found it, he lays it on his shoulders rejoicing. And when he comes home, he calls together his friends and his neighbors, saying to them, Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep that was lost. Just so I tell you, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who need no repentance. Or what woman, having 10 silver coins, if she loses one coin, does not light a lamp and sweep the house and seek diligently until she finds it? And when she has found it, she calls together her friends and neighbors, saying, Rejoice with me, for I have found the coin that I had lost. Just so, I tell you, there is joy before the angels of God over one sinner who repents. The word of God for you and me, the people of God. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. There's a lot going on in this very short passage here. And there's a lot of ways that different people are encountering Jesus. And Jesus is is encountering them. And they're starting to understand and what Jesus is trying to communicate to those that are around him. I think it's interesting to note that the scripture starts off telling us, about the tax collectors and the sinners who were drawing near to him. This is who Jesus was attracting, and this is who was coming and drawing near to Jesus and wanting to hear more of what Jesus said. It was the most marginalized who gathered to hear him speak. And Jesus' heart is reflected in that he was known for eating with sinners. And that's what he's telling the Pharisees about the kingdom of God as well. The Pharisees and the scribes grumbled that Jesus was receiving and eating with the sinners. 
The parables are Jesus' response to that grumbling. So we're going to back up and we're going to look a little bit at Luke to see what, how Luke focuses and how that helps us to understand these parables and where Jesus is in these exact moments. The theme of Luke, if you really look at it, is Jesus is telling everyone throughout Luke and what Luke is trying to communicate through his gospel is that everyone is welcome at the banquet of the kingdom of God. And you see repeatedly throughout Luke, you see all these banquets and dinners and Jesus eating with different people. It's a common theme throughout it. And throughout all of it, Jesus is revealing and trying to explain to everyone what the kingdom of God is and that it is here. It is in front of you. I am here now with you. He's trying to make sure they understand that the kingdom of God is extended to everyone this running theme, and we see it literally and metaphorically in how Jesus interacts. But what is the banquet? What exactly is he talking about? What are we invited to, and what was he inviting, not only these tax collectors and sinners, but the Pharisees who were grumbling, who were gathered around him as well? He's trying to get them to understand that we're all invited to God's kingdom. And Jesus is known, and we can probably remember when he goes and eats with Zacchaeus, when he eats with um, different people, once he has that encounter, and then he forgives those sinners in his midst. But the kingdom of God, this banquet, is about way more than just forgiveness. We can't reduce this encounter to Jesus to just being forgiven. We can't reduce salvation to just being forgiven. The kingdom and the banquet are about much more. It's about atonement, and that atonement is about the defeat and death of Satan. It's about Christ entering into our human shame, walking with us on earth, and ushering into the kingdom on earth. It's about Jesus bearing the covenantal cross so that we don't have to. That is what we are celebrating at the banquet. That is what the banquet is in honor of. That is the kingdom of God on earth. And that is what Jesus is trying to convey to all these people. We can't shrink the gospel down and just reduce it to someone having an encounter with Jesus being forgiven and going on their way. It's kind of the equivalent of taking this great banquet and making it kind of a one-course meal. There are multiple courses to the banquet. There are multiple ways that we experience Christ and the ways that the kingdom comes here on earth. And this is all about ushering it in. Luke focuses on Jesus revealing that everyone is invited to the banquet and the kingdom of God is for everyone. Jesus uses those banquets and parties and eating together to talk to those around him about what the kingdom of God is like have a number of table scenes where we see Jesus interacting. Jesus has been going around and having dinner, not only with tax collectors and sinners, but he's also been eating with the Pharisees. And you see accounts of that in Luke. And even when he eats with the Pharisees, sinners show up. The Pharisees think they have this perfect table lined out, and they have their guest of honor there with them, and Jesus is reclining. And who walks in? But a woman, probably a prostitute, and she walks in uninvited, proceeds to go over to Jesus, 
washes his feet with her tears and anoints him with oil. Pharisees don't like that. I'm kind of concluding through most of, as I started to think about this, Jesus is probably one of the most awkward guests that you're ever going to have at your house. Um, (laughs) He doesn't follow all the rules and the conventions and the norms that they would have at that time. And Jesus' response to her outpouring of love is that she is forgiven. And she is held up as the example of what love looks like, of what that is supposed to be like. He's trying to convey that these meals are about more than hospitality, and it's more about just fellowship with Jesus. In their time, eating with someone was a statement of what that, that person was of great value. When you ate with someone, you were now a part of their family. And if you look back in Scripture, too, and you see when Jesus eats with the people around him, he has kind of a, a regular thing that he does. And we see it even in, in the Passover that before his death. Jesus takes the bread, takes the food, whether it was the fish or the bread that he was about to disperse when he was feeding the 5,000. He takes it, and then he blesses it. He breaks it. And then he gives it. And that's the same thing that he does with us. It's the same thing he is doing in these encounters. He takes us as his own. He blesses us. He breaks us and creates something entirely new. And then he gives us to the world to share the gospel. And through that, we are restored to relationship with God. And we are a part of the kingdom and its restoration. Eating with Jesus is a reflection of his heart. It's a reflection of what he is offering to us. It's a reflection of the kingdom, what it looks like now and in the future, but the kingdom has arrived now in Jesus. From the beginning of his ministry, Jesus has always invited tax collectors to follow him. He healed Mary Magdalene from demons. She began to follow him. He's got this prostitute who showed up at this dinner. He's healing people on the Sabbath. He is not following the rules. He is not doing things according to the norms and the way things are done in that society. And Jesus is pushing back against that value system that is in place. So that's why the leaders, that's why the Pharisees are pushing back against him because he is jeopardizing their social stability. He's jeopardizing everything that they have based their faith on and how it is lived out. They expected a Messiah who was going to come in and consolidate power and take control. And instead, this Jesus guy says he's the Messiah, but he is walking around preaching about love and forgiveness and eating with these people and healing people who are infirmed and crippled, and they're following him around, and this is who he's going to change the world with? This bunch of outcasts, this island of misfits type people? And Jesus is trying to get them to see, he's trying to get everyone to see that what they think about the kingdom of God needs to change. Throughout all of scripture, and especially when we see Jesus walking on earth, he takes everything that we know and everything that we think and the things that we hold on to in our humanness, and he flips them. And he says, oh, no, no, no. I have an entirely better way for you to experience life. 
I have a way that you can experience life in God and in his presence and in his will. And it is beautiful and it is filled with blessings and it's filled with love and grace and mercy. So when the Pharisees are grumbling and complaining about him, his response is these two parables. And he's explaining to them about what the kingdom of God is about. God is not about being generous to someone according to their perceived worth. And Jesus is extending God's generous love and forgiveness to everyone. He is extending the kingdom of God to all. So as we look at the parables, I want us to look closely because we're very accustomed to seeing and reading this with the eyes and ears that Jesus is the shepherd. But look closely in the scripture and it says, so he told them this parable. And in verse 4 it says, what man of you? He's talking to the Pharisees and saying, this is how you respond. This is how you respond when you've lost a sheep. And of the woman, he says, or what woman having 10 coins? He's not putting himself in that place in this particular instance when he's sharing this. He wants them to put themselves into that place. He wants them to understand the value and the worth. But he's challenging them and saying, what man of you, if you lose one of your sheep, doesn't go out and look for them? Or what woman who's lost a coin doesn't search for it? And he doesn't say that that particular sheep is particularly important. He doesn't say that that woman is, is poor or desperately in need of that money. He doesn't even set up that scenario. I did a little research to find out what makes a sheep wander off. Because, <laughs> you know, they're not the smartest animals in the world from what I've gathered through the years. And pretty much it's because they're hurt, sick, or they've gotten, in, they've gotten separated, they got scared, and they wandered off because of that. But we're talking about one animal that if it is hurt or sick, probably isn't going to be worth much anymore. We've got this woman who's working for the equivalent of about a tenth of a day's wage. It's not a huge amount of money. Significant, yes, but not huge. But not only does she search for it, but when she finds it, she shares that with other people. And they rejoice with her. Don't you love it when you find a 20 in your pockets or you put your coat on from last winter the first time it gets cold and you put your hand in there and you find a $20 bill? Especially I can remember in college that was like the greatest thing ever because that was a lot of money. <laughs> but even now, if I do that, I go tell, I tell someone, I'm like, hey, guess what? I found a 20 in my pocket today. This is great. You rejoice. You share that with someone. It's $20. But it was found it was something that you didn't know was there. And it's brought back into your memory. It's the same way. We can even look at, if you've ever tried to discontinue a, a subscription to something, let's say Netflix. So you say, not interested anymore. Pretty soon you'll start getting emails. They'll start trying to reach. We miss you. We want you to come back. They're going to go after the individual. So we have this expectation that when we lose something and that when we can't find it, 
that we go out and we try to bring it back. So why were the Pharisees so amazed that Jesus was doing this very same thing? Why would Jesus not do the same thing? And that's what Jesus was trying to get them to understand, that he's extending God's love and forgiveness to all people. He wants to take away theirs and our judgment and evaluation of people. And he wants to give us a heart like our Father. Our Father in heaven who is all generous and merciful. He wants us to know that we, all of us, are invited to the banquet table. And once we're there, it is our job to imitate Jesus for our hearts to reflect his and to go out and invite others to the table. When we eat with Jesus, when you or I are invited to the banquet, when we are a part of the kingdom of God, when we have that encounter, when we open up our hearts to God and to Jesus in that moment, then our hearts are transformed. Not every encounter with Jesus resulted in a transformed heart. There were a lot that walked away from those moments. But when we allow God to move in our lives and do that and experience that, then we are able to share that with others as well, and we're able to invite others to the table. This is what Jesus was trying to get across to the Pharisees, that no one is excluded. No one is excluded. And in their society, they had a pretty good list of exactly who was worthy and who was not and who was to be excluded and who was welcome at the table and who wasn't. That's true of any society. That's true of any culture. That's true of our humanness. Whether we mean to or not, there are people who are excluded. And we are called to look for them, to search for them. As a mom, I have children who can't find things frequently. <laughs> now, my third child, she was the one who in the family could always find something, like random things. The boys were like, hey, mom, where are my shoes? And she'd be like, one is upstairs in the bedroom and one is down. Like, I don't know how she did it. She knew sometimes before I did. They would come to me wanting me to help them search. It's up, for all of, up to all of us to have an eye and know where things people are that are excluded. That's what Jesus is asking us to do. That's what Jesus had an incredible knack for, was noticing and finding the people that everyone else excluded. It was who was drawn to him. As a chaplain, when I was serving in the hospitals, there were frequent encounters with, with people who were typically excluded. I would meet and talk and pray with drug addicts, prisoners that had been transported to the hospital, um, people in advanced stages of dementia, um, people who were addicts and had shut themselves off and lost all of their contacts and their families. Sometimes we have an, a tendency to exclude people whether we mean to or not. It's what happens with the busyness of our lives. It's what's happened in the way that things happen and go in lives, as other lives as well. 
that exclusion damages and destroys relationships. It damages and destroys individuals, and Jesus saw that. Though they had experienced exclusion, God's people, Israel had experienced exclusion. They knew what it was like to be on the outside and to be oppressed and to be forgotten. They were knew, knew what it was like to be judged unworthy. And God had taught them all along that part of their job, part of the way they were supposed to live on earth and when they were in relationship with him was to treat foreigners and others with dignity and even give up their resources on their behalf. He'd been trying to teach Israel for a very long time that everyone is invited to the table. Everyone is invited to have an encounter with Jesus and everyone is worth going after and searching for. Jesus had an eye for those who were typically overlooked and outcast and that is who we are called to have an eye for as well. So, who are you eating with? Who are you inviting to the banquet? And who are you noticing? There are individuals out there who are excluded. And that's who we need to have our eyes out for. There are entire groups of people that are excluded and that are overlooked and forgotten. Those who are in foster care. Racism is rampant in places We are called to see those individuals and those groups and to respond. We're called to invite them to the table and make sure they know that Jesus sees them. We may think about the kingdom of God, and it teaches us what change means. And it's not just that we have an encounter with Jesus, we can be forgiven for our sins, and then we can go to heaven. Like I said, that's, that's like one course of the meal. That's, that's the appetizer. But we can have a tendency to, to reduce it to that. We need to step back and remember and experience all of Jesus and all that he came and did, everything that happened on the cross and through the power of his resurrection. Church is not just something that we do so our kids can have some good friends and meet some nice other kids and just so that we can have a positive influence on our lives and we can feel good on Sunday mornings. It's about way more than that. The kingdom of God is about transforming our lives and us and Jesus inviting us into that. Luke goes right into Acts. The same author who wrote Luke wrote Acts and they're just a continuation of each other. Acts is all about taking the gospel out and the spreading of the gospel and the spreading of the good news. That's a part of the kingdom of God. We have to be willing to join Jesus in his search for the lost. And we are called to join Jesus because our hearts reflect Jesus because he was willing to invite you and me to the table. And once we experience that and our hearts reflect and respond by searching for others so that they can experience it also. There's so many beautiful ways that we can do that. And there's so many people that are excluded. 
There's so many people that go unnoticed in our day-to-day lives. One of the things I always do um, when I order something for the church, confessing this to finance committee right now too, I always tip really well. (laughs) And the reason I do that is because I always hear and read these things about waiters and waitresses who said the worst day they like to work was on Sundays because all the people who came from church and went out to eat treated them terribly and tipped horribly. So I have taken it as my mission to make sure I can at least tip well, (laughs) that if they're going to see something and they're going to deliver something to this church, that they are going to see that we value them and appreciate what they do. It's easy to overlook someone and think they're insignificant, but the way that we treat that waiter or waitress on Sunday afternoons is incredibly important. The way that we see and notice those around of us, that's how our hearts can reflect Jesus. Once we have been invited to that table, then we have the ability to make sure that others are not excluded from the table and they are invited to the table as well. When we do that, we do that for the kingdom so that we can experience that same banquet and experience all the courses of the meal, which means that we get to experience God's love and grace and mercy. And yes, our sins are forgiven, but our lives and our hearts are transformed and we are made new just as all of creation will be made new. Let us go to God in prayer and thank him for that. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this opportunity to come before you. As we have encounters with you, may our hearts and our lives be transformed so that our hearts are a reflection of you, so that others can be invited to the table as well. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, amen.